0: So, Galatians chapter five, and so what we're talking about this morning—what we're talking about this morning—is a battle. Okay, that there's a that, that there's a battle going on. How many of you know that there's a battle going on? Okay, I see a few of those hands. Okay, more of you. All right. Um, anyone that's been a Christian for any length of time, right? Uh, anyone that's been a Christian for any length of time knows that there's a battle going on. Right? That there's a battle going on. And, and, here, and here's the thing, here's the thing I want to, to do in talking about this this battle this morning, because I feel like one of the temptations for us, right, is to misplace the thing or the people or the person in which we're battling, right? I mean, I mean, we, we, can, we can look on the news, we can look on the internet, uh, or the internets, right, whichever, right, and we, we can look at all of these things and know, right, that there's a battle going on. But the thing that we have to remember right, is the source of the battle, okay? We've got to remember the source of the, the thing or the people in which we're battling against. And so I actually uh, just, just felt like nudged here um, while we were singing uh, that, that, that last song a few seconds ago, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul tells the church at Ephesus Right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, so, so let, me, let me explain that for just a second, So, we're going to talk about this battle, right? We're going to talk about this battle that's going on today and how to, how to basically win the, win the battle, claim the victory, right? But, but let, me, let me just set some of you free from the get-go this morning. Your battle is not someone that's sitting over here okay your battle is is not the church down the street okay your battle um, um, is not someone that voted differently than you okay your battle is is not those things are not our battle the fact is and the thing that we've got to remember as the church of Jesus is there's this person called an enemy right that we have an enemy and our battle is not against flesh and blood it's not against each other Right? And so we've misplaced our battle, I feel like, for many of us, right? And there's this. There, y'all get the point, right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the authorities of darkness, right? Right? So we've got to remember that. So now flip over to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read this, okay? Y'all ready? Okay, verse 16 to the end. But I say to the end of chapter 5, not to the end. Of, okay. Verse 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. Okay? And so so here Paul is talking about not only can legalism and grace not sleep in the same tent, but our flesh and the things of the Spirit can't sleep in the same tent. Okay? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live that by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, here's, here's the thing that, that I want to warn us kind of against right from the beginning. Okay? Because anytime you read a passage of Scripture and you see two lists like these, people get really excited. Or you start beating yourself up immediately, right? Like, like Paul uses some, some strong language here, right? If, it, if, if, this, if this, if this, if this, if this, right, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God, but, and so, and so what we have here is essentially two messages, okay, under the same umbrella, all right? So I wanna talk about the first list first, okay? The freedom that Christ promises The freedom that Christ promises, the freedom that Jesus promises, is not without a daily war or conflict within us between submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the desires of the flesh. Submitting to the desires of the flesh. And so that's the battle within us. That's the battle that each and every one of us this morning has. And each and every one of us have our vices from from alcohol to buffets, right? Right? I mean, I mean, let's 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 be honest this morning, okay? We've got a big crowd, right? Let's be honest this morning, right? That each and every one of us have that desire of the flesh that, if we were honest, wish would go away, right? Would go away, okay? And 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 some, right? Uh, depending on depending on who we are, right? Some that desire of the flesh is stronger than others. Okay, and, uh, but, but, but no less important, okay? And so um, the first thing that I wanna talk to you is I wanna talk about three truths today about the battle. The first thing I wanna talk to you about is there is spiritual conflict within us, right? As we look at this passage and as we think about today, there is spiritual conflict within us. And Paul owns it, right? walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Not that they won't go away, Right? Because that's not what he says. walk by the Spirit, and the desires of the flesh will go away. No, you just won't gratify them, right? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So if we have faith in Christ, there's a conflict. Right? If we are believers in Jesus this morning, if we have faith in Christ, there is conflict. A conflict, a war within us that is waged in every waking moment of our lives. And so many times it's apparent, and we know it, we, we can see it, right? We see the pizzas right in front of us, okay? Many times it's apparent, we know it. Other times, we don't know it. That's because we're spiritually numb to the sin that we're engaging in. Okay? And this conflict is because the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The flesh wants to keep us from doing the things that we want to do, right? Pursue Christ. Live for Jesus, right? Sin is dethroned in our lives, but it's not destroyed. When we come to faith, get that, get that, sin is dethroned in our lives, but it's not destroyed, Right? We, still, we still battle sin. That's why Paul tells the church, walk not according to the flesh, to crucify the flesh, to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Because okay? this can get confusing. Right? Let's talk about what the flesh is. Okay? The flesh is what cate- characterizes our life before Jesus. Okay, the flesh is what characterizes our life before we come to faith in Christ. It's our natural, selfish, and sinful propensity to rebel against God. Okay, it's the natural urge to live the way that we want to live, to want what we want and want it now, right? The flesh is that natural, uh, uh, um, you know, sinner's mentality, right? Waiting to rear its ugly head when we least expect it. It's influenced by our past, it's influenced by our personalities, right? Um, And some of us, some of us in this room have lived reckless lives. Others have come from dysfunctional homes, others are emotionally scarred, and still others have been very self-centered all their lives. Nonetheless, all of this results in different baggage for different people. The greater the baggage, the greater our struggles will be. The greater the baggage, the greater our struggles will be. There's a spiritual conflict within us. I was just um, um, reading a story from a friend of mine uh, who, who does um, teen ministry down in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina, a beautiful place. Um, and, uh, and, and he was talking to a teenager um, who, was, who was at a, um, a kind of a last chance school, right? Last chance school and, um, for, for kids under 14. Right and uh, and and, and, um, and he was talking to uh, three or four specific guys um, under the age of 14. One, uh, two of them had been charged with armed robbery. One of them threatened to to um, to, to kill their principal, um, and 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 another one I can't remember. But he was he was talking with these guys um, around lunch the other day, and he looked at one young man in particular who didn't see a way out. Didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel for his life, for his baggage. 14 years old. Didn't see, didn't see, didn't see anything better in the future. Didn't see anything better on the horizon. And so my buddy Clint looked at him and said, and, and said, listen, what if you could take all of your past, what if you could take all of this baggage and you could put it in one suitcase and throw it out in the ocean and let it sink to the bottom and get a brand new suitcase to fill with new experiences. Right? What would you do? How would you respond? And this 14-year-old young man looked back at him and said, I don't know. And Clint said, Exactly. You don't know because you don't know the one that can give you that type of freedom. And so and so he um, he sent out a note to to a bunch of uh, his friends by, by email sharing the story and asked us to pray for this, for this young man. So I texted him this morning and said I was praying for this young man. And they said, well, pray for these ten names too, that they would meet Jesus as well. So, man, just uh, add those to the list, right? But, but, but it was a beautiful picture of that's grace, right? That's grace. Is we take all of these desires of the flesh that have that have beaten us, that have taken control of our lives, that have caused us to make that have, that have caused us to make bad decisions or mistakes or or, or you know poor poor um, um, career choices or financial whatever the case, right? You put them in a suitcase, you throw them to the. That doesn't mean they don't impact you in the future. Right. That doesn't mean they don't. doesn't mean they don't uh, uh, um, um, affect you or inspire you or mature you in some way. But then you get a you get a new suitcase to, to fill with all the new experiences. Right. It's the beauty of grace. Right? But it's also a picture of the battle. The second truth that we see this morning. Look at verse seventeen. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. When it comes to the conflict, the Holy Spirit is our resource in the conflict. Now, now, whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, for folks that are new and recent around the church, right, that can kind of get a little... Um, Kind of get a little interesting kind of get a little sensitive right because what is this Holy Spirit, right? We have one God three expressions God the Father God the Son Jesus and God the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is present all throughout Scripture, but Jesus in John chapter 14 when he's uh, around the disciples um, Tells them. Hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to be around forever right and behold when i go and prepare a place for you i'm going to send the holy spirit to be your helper okay so the holy spirit is our helper the holy spirit is the one that's with us constantly the holy spirit is 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 our discernment right the holy spirit is 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 our convictor right the holy spirit is ever present with us right and that is god's presence in us okay And, and and we talked about it before when we talked about the holy spirit Right, that, uh, that, that the whole Old Testament, right? That the whole Old Testament, all those, all those folks in the Old Testament, Noah and, and Daniel and all those folks, right? We're, we're going to probably get to heaven and run to those folks and be like, Daniel, what was it like to be in the lion's den, right? Like, like Noah, what was it like? What was it like when the flood came? What was it like, right? And, and, and all of these different stories, right? We're gonna, but they're going to come running to us and say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? All the time right what was it like to have access to the Holy Spirit like that living inside of us and so and so instead of instead of kind of treating the Holy Spirit as, as this thing that's a little weird and that we don't like to touch or talk about right and unpack right we've got to see the Holy Spirit is our resource in the battle our Holy Spirit is our resource in the conflict because when we live by the Spirit right we're able to say no to the desires of the flesh we're say, we're able to say no to that natural desire right and so uh, the flesh keeps us from doing what we want to do and the truth is when it comes to the flesh we're powerless we're powerless to resist and overcome the flesh in our own strength we're powerless to resist and overcome the flesh in our own strength. But the good news is that the spirit is also producing his influence in our lives. The spirit is persistent and relentless in his influence. He is opposing the desires of the flesh. They can't sleep in the same tent. Much of this is not seen nor felt, but he's at work. Amen. He's at work. He's at work. When you experience favor... Throughout your day, when you experience favor throughout the week, when we experience favor as the church, as the body of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit at work. That's the Holy Spirit at work, blessing those who are obedient to the things of God. It's the Holy Spirit at work, right? And so, he does this in two ways. First, right, the Holy Spirit's our resource in the conflict in two ways, by changing the desires of our heart. Changing the desires of our heart. How many of you that are older right the things you want for a Sunday afternoon are different than the things you wanted Sunday afternoon 20 years ago Amen? Amen Right like the things I wanted Sunday afternoon 20 years ago was to go hang out with some buddies and play football all afternoon or basketball all afternoon or go to CC's pizza buffet down in the south and eat pizza you know like I got just like 20 years ago that's that was me now now 20, fast forward 20 years later my Sunday afternoon, all I want is a nap. Amen. Right? Don't judge. Don't judge. How many are with me? Right? Okay. You see that? Right? Twenty years ago, that probably wasn't the case. Right? But but as you as you go as we grow, right? Those desires shift and they change. Right? And so the Holy Spirit, as we grow and mature in Christ. Right? And we grow closer to Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes those desires. Right? There's a change in desire. Why? Because there's a change in who we're living for. There's a change in who we're living for. There's a shift in who we're living for. We're no longer living for ourselves. Right? And when we're living for the things of God. Okay, does this please the heart of God? Right? Does this decision right here please the heart of God? And so the second way that the Holy Spirit does this. is by giving his influence over our hearts so that we will more and more be swayed by the Spirit. So we will more and more be swayed by the Spirit. Discernment is, is the one word right there. That the Holy Spirit gives us discern. Right? I know it's cliche because a few years ago they made all those bracelets and then kind of caught on and all of that. But literally asking the question at every turn and every decision, what would Jesus do here? Right? What would Jesus do in this situation? We will only overcome the flesh by the Holy Spirit. We're not strong enough. We're not strong enough. Right? Famous last words. Oh, I can handle this. Right? I've got this. Right? Famous last words. The third truth is that transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit. That transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, the work of the the Spirit is three things, okay? Three things, intimate, okay, internal, and inevitable. For the believer in Jesus this morning, the Holy Spirit is intimate, internal, and inevitable. Now, by intimate, I mean relational. I mean relational. Right? The Holy Spirit is our mediator. Right, He's the one that, that hears our prayers right? and takes them to the feet of Jesus. Right, The Holy Spirit is our mediator. He's, in, he is, he's intimate. He is a person, a member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about that. Always working together in unity as one. The Spirit is not just powerful, but personal. We're following His lead. We're listening for His voice. He is the battery for our Christian life. He's the battery for our Christian life, but he's also a person. And when we follow his lead and listen to his voice, we're following Jesus because he is the Spirit of Christ. Second, the work of the Holy Spirit is internal. Real faith produces real fruit. Real faith produces real fruit. But because it's internal, it cannot necessarily be measured easily. Right? It can't be measured necessarily easily. Right? It is gradual and over time, very rarely dramatic. It's organic. It's organic. We often don't see the change until the pressures of life come and we see what we're made of. Tested. Right? Tested. It. Tested. And then last, the work of the Holy Spirit is inevitable. It's in heaven. As he conforms us to the image of Christ, Ephesians 5, 1, imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children. Right? We can resist it, we can fight it, but in the end, he wins because of his promises. He is going to make us more like Jesus. That is the golden spirit, right? And so, and so that's the first part, right? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, and then we get down to that list and we talk about the battle and we see all of those things. Uh, you know, verse 21, envy, drunkenness, right? All these things like these. And then I want you to look at verse 22. Ken, I don't know if you can throw verse 22 up there. But, the fruit of the spirit, everybody say it with me, but, but, but uh, you know, you just have to say it once, okay? You say it twice, then we gotta start talking about forgiveness and all that stuff, okay, right? But the fruit of the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit. And so the, the fruit of the flesh, right, is that whole list, right? All of these things that don't please God, right, that, that cause shame, that cause uh, um, um, battles within, right, relational damage, all of, all of these things, right? And, and while the desires of the, for those things and of those things are inevitable, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Right? You know, that, you know that song you used to sing in Sunday school, it starts out real slow, and then it just by the end of it, love, joy, peace, and you're really not saying the words, you're just kind of mumbling, all the fruits of the Spirit, right? All the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. i this one, okay? The fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's continual transformation in us. So I wanna, I wanna spend some time talking about Spiritual fruit, and then, and then, we'll, and then we'll close um, with a couple applications. Okay? Sound good? We're going right over to the church after this, right? For 5 o'clock potluck, so we've got plenty of time. Y'all don't have any plans in between, do you? I saw those hands earlier for that nap, but uh, you can just take that while I'm preaching. Um, so let's talk about the nature of spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit, excuse me. The nature of spiritual fruit. Four truths about the nature of spiritual truth. Fruit, spiritual truth, fruit, same thing. Okay, spiritual fruit. First, spiritual fruit comes from the character of the individual, okay? The nature of the character of an individual. A tree produces fruit that is consistent with its character, right? If you're an angry person, chances are, the, your fruit is gonna be angry, right? If it, I was I was walking in and, and with our setup team today. the Setup team did awesome and 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 somebody said um, you know most people are as happy as they decide to be. Love that. I think mean, you said it was from Abraham Lincoln, right? But you can give me credit or you know that's fine, um, right? But, uh, but 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 when you think about that, right? The the. The fruit that we're going to produce is consistent with our character. That's why so much of Paul's writing is be like Jesus. As far as you can, be like Jesus, right? As much as you can, press in to the things of God. Paul says uh, what what he does in verse 21 for that reason. That, uh, that, that, that that all of these things, right? You won't inherit the kingdom of God if, if you satisfy the desires of your flesh. If your life is generally characterized by the flesh, the old sinful nature, then you probably have not come to a saving faith in Jesus, right? If there wasn't a change, if there wasn't a shift from the time before you met Christ to the time after you felt like you met Christ, right? If there wasn't a change in desire there, right? Then then there's probably a conversation to be had. I'm not doubting anybody's salvation. I'm asking you to examine your fruit, Right. Examine the fruit. Second thing about the nature of spiritual fruit is the fruit are characteristics of God. The fruits of the Spirit are characteristics of God. So uh, there's there, there's there's three there's three types of fruit. Okay, and I want I to kind of break them up. Okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this front section right here. Okay, yeah, the, the first triad of fruit. Okay, um, contains those graces. Uh, which which turn one's thoughts towards God. So the fruits of the Spirit are also uh, named graces, okay? And so you, you, you are the ones that uh, turn our thoughts to God. Love, joy, peace, right? Y'all got the best ones, okay? Y'all got the best ones, okay? Not, not that they're my favorite section, okay? It's like my kids, okay? Love, joy, and peace, okay? So you, you, this section right here, you're love, joy, and peace, right? And you are the characteristics, you're the fruits You are the graces, right, that turn our attention uh, to God. The second triad, we'll we'll give this one to you all, okay? You're you're the graces, you're the fruits of the Spirit that direct our relationships with others. Long-suffering or patience, gentleness, yeah, that'll work, um, and goodness, okay? So long-suffering or patience. Right? Patience, gentleness, and goodness. That's what, that's, what, that's what this section represents. And you represent how we interact with each other, how we interact with others. Okay, and then the back, okay, on the, on the other side of the aisle back there, okay? You're the last triad, and you're, you're the graces, you're the three fruits that deal more directly with self. And so faith, literally meaning faithfulness, meekness, which is gentleness, and self-control. Right? so that whole that whole back section, right? Your faithfulness, your gentleness, and you are self control. And the beauty of it is, is, that all of these, right? All of these in nature work together. Right? They work together as characteristics of God and His divine nature. And Paul tells us again in Ephesians five one to imitate God as His dear children. So all of these things are characteristics of God. Right? All three sections, all three triads are characteristics of God. And then the third thing I want to point out to you about the nature of spiritual fruit is that spiritual fruit is a gradual growing process over the course of our lives. It's a gradual growing th- process. We're told that God forms Jesus in us in Galatians 4 and promised that we will be conformed to the character of Christ. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. And then lastly, when it comes to the nature of spiritual fruit, we're not passive in producing fruit. In no ways are we passive when it comes to producing fruit. We're commanded to do each of these fruits in the New Testament. We're to love we're to, we're, to, we're to have joy, rejoice, and rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Be at peace. Be gentle with one another. Be long-suffering. Be patient. Right? All of these different things. And so we're not, we're not called to be passive when it comes to producing fruit. We're called to be actively producing fruit in our lives, through our lives, with other people. You guys still with me? So let's talk about some examples of spiritual fruit. The fruit listed, the first fruit listed is love. And is the primary way in which God deals with his people. And it's also the primary way that characterizes the Christian life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when we talk about love, we've got to talk about how love is the overflow of our life in Jesus because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's love. And so love is the overflow of God's love in our lives, right? Love is the overflow of God's love in our lives. Let's talk about joy for just a moment. Joy is a characteristic of the Christian life. It's not emotional as much as it is the confidence in God and His love for us because of what He's he's done on the cross, making us His children. And so so for, for, for us, right, we can always walk in joy, not because of the things that are happening in and around us or to us, right, but because there is a God that loved us so much that He gave His Son to die on the cross for us. And James 1, 2, and 4 to tell us to rejoice in trials because we know that God uses them to shape our faith. Love, joy, what's next? Peace. Peace Peace is the freedom from anxiety, stress, worry. When life is intense or not going our way, it leads to peace in our relationships next patience patience and kindness right They're the they're the passive and active sides of love patience and kindness love is expressed in patience toward difficult people and circumstances right it may even be with those who oppose you not big fans right kindness is the active side of love it's a gracious disposition towards people, even difficult people, extra grace required people, right? Goodness is is acting morally good because you've taken on the moral goodness of God, right? When we come to faith in Christ, we partake of the moral nature of God. Next, faithfulness, describes a character of faith, faithfulness to God, over our life, gentleness is the attitude and behavior in contrast to harshness. Lastly, self-control is the ability to control yourself for the larger good, being able to say no to the flesh, sinful impulses, desires of the world. Here's my point going through that list. Right? And we don't do this often, right? And I know this isn't a feel good exercise. Okay? I know this isn't a feel good exercise. But if you, if you go through that list love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self control, right? How are we doing? What type of fruit are we producing? Are we producing fruit that pleases the heart of God? Are we, are we acting, here, here, and, here, and here's the question, are we acting like people of faith? More than just in this room on Sunday. Are we producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in gentleness, in faithfulness, in self-control. The question is not, do we produce fruit? The question is always, what type of fruit are we producing? And so how are we doing? How are we doing? And so here's how God produces fruit. In our lives. The Bible describes the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse, look at verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit, skip down to verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep and step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another. That doesn't happen today, envying one another. Right? Nobody provokes one another, right? Nobody, nobody nobody does that. Right? Who would ever do that? That's crazy. Okay, siblings. Right? And so, and so th- there are three ways that our flesh is crucified. I know I'm giving you a lot of information this morning, but there are three ways that our flesh is crucified. We've got to talk about this because, again, another statement by Paul that's like, hmm, wow, that's intense. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here's the deal we crucified our flesh when we came to faith. Right? We crucify our flesh when we come to faith in Jesus. How? God crucifies him. Right? Like, come to me, all over where you have heavy like, take up my cross, right? Take up, take up your cross and follow me. Right? And, and and so and so we our our flesh is crucified by God when we come to faith. He gives us new desires. Right? He gives us new desires. Secondly, we crucify our flesh when we came to faith by repenting Right by repenting right and, and repenting is not just Not you know, not just saying sorry flippantly But going and laying down our sin and turning our backs to it and walking away, right? So we do and then the third way That the flesh is crucified We must constantly and consistently renounce the flesh by saying no to its desires and embrace Jesus is better. Amen. So this thing in front of me, right, it looks really good. It makes makes all the sense in the world, right? But it's not of God. (laughs) It's not of God. This doesn't please God. This doesn't produce the type of fruit that God would, would want from my life. And my concern for us is that is, is that is that the longer we're, we're the longer that we're in faith, the more passive we get to even considering that, right? To even considering that. When I think of faithfulness, right? Not neglecting not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, right? I think I think of faithfulness, right? Right? When 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 um. No, nope, we're gonna keep going. Okay, we're gonna keep going. All right, let's spend the last few minutes. Let's spend the last few minutes on three crucial principles that will help us in our daily battle. Sound good? Three crucial principles that will help us in our daily battle. Number one, crucifying the flesh must be ruthless. Crucifying the flesh must be ruthless. Take no pity. On your enemy who wages war on your soul. Another way to say it don't coddle or play with sin. Don't coddle or play with sin. Now, I know things have changed, I know things have changed, and I know some kids in the room and some parents, you're gonna have some thoughts about this, right? Um, So so things have changed. I've been out of student ministry for over 10 years now, and so you can call me irrelevant, because student ministry and adolescent ministry changes all the time, that's fine, that's fine. But back when I was a youth pastor, and many, many moons ago, right, I used to tell parents um, because because I, I felt like it was so important, right, it was so important. Do not, under any circumstances, let your kid have a TV with cable in their room. Like, there's too much temptation there, right? There's too much temptation. Rip the TV out of their room. Don't let devices in the room, right? Don't let devices in the room. If you have daughters, don't let boys in the room, right? Like, you get the point, right? Like, there's, like there's, there, there are things, right, that, that, that we shouldn't let around ourselves at certain times because nothing good happens right nothing good happens nothing good happens yet we reach an age where we're able to make decisions for ourselves right where we're able to make decisions for ourselves where we're grown right and some of us feel like that happens at 10 and some of us are, are grown, and we still don't feel grown, right? Like, like, so it's different for every person. But, but the, point that, the point that I'm trying to get to is many of us have this sin in our lives that we're coddling. Instead of being ruthless about it. Right? Instead of being ruthless about it. And say, no, I'm not going to allow the spider to stay in the kitchen. I'm not going to allow the spider to stay in the house. If there's a live spider and I know about it, it's either dying or there's a hotel down the street. (laughs) Amen? Right? But yet, when it comes to sin, we'll cuddle it. And we've got to start treating sin like spiders. Squash it. Squash it. I don't know of one person, and if you're this person in the room, please, please don't respond, okay? Please don't respond, right? But I don't know of one person that looks at a spider and says, oh, look at that cute little fella. <laughs> no, no, right? Really? Are you serious? Oh, my word. Uh, man, we got to pray for you. we got to pray for you. Yeah, okay, well, we all have our imperfections, right? <laughs> crucifying the flesh must be ruthless. Second, crucifying the flesh is painful. It's gotta be ruthless, but we've also gotta own, and we've gotta have grace towards each other, okay? Hear that, we've gotta have grace towards each other. Like, wait, wait, you know, spending time looking at this, right? When it comes to, when it comes to the people across the aisle, right? Am I being gracious towards the fact that when it comes to crucifying the flesh, it's painful, right? Crucifixion was the most painful way to die in the ancient East, in the ancient Near East, right? It was done to humiliate and to torture criminals, right? But yet when Paul comes to the flesh, when he's talking about the desires of the flesh and the the fruit of the spirit, he goes as far as to say, crucify the flesh, which means this ought to be done in an intense, right way. But it's painful. It's painful. It's painful. It's painful. I caused quite the stir last week when I talked about running. Some of you came up and question my sanity big time last Sunday after I talked about running I don't have time I don't have time to walk into the reason that I run right I was, I was talking with a couple guys that I was running with uh, last week right but every person that runs right every crazy person that you see run outside right which is sometimes me a couple of you have tried to hit me on the road. I'm praying for your forgiveness for <laughs> that. Okay. Get back. Long sermon. Um, okay. Right. But every person that runs, right, or, or, or does some type of exercise or just does something that other people look at and say, that's crazy, they have a reason. They have a why. Right? They have a why. Right? I don't ever tie my shoes and get out on the street and say, oh, this feels awesome. That first half mile for me is miserable, right? There are things that hurt. There are things that are locked up. There are things that age, right? But then I hit that half mile mark, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, this feels nice. I like this. I like this. And then I get done, and I'm crawling back into the house. And I feel so accomplished, right? It feels amazing, right? There's a reason. There's a why. And same thing when it comes to the pain of crucifying our flesh. There's a why. And what's the why? I want to live for Jesus. Yes. And the desires of my flesh, satisfying, gratifying the desires of my flesh, don't line up with producing the fruit of the Spirit that God wants for my life and wants for the people around me. Right? And so, if they can't sleep in the same tent, I can't sit on the fence. The church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 tried to do that, and they were lukewarm. And, 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 and Jesus came to them and said, I want to spit you out of the mouth. You gag me when you live like that. And yet so many of us are coddling and, and, we, and we can't deal with the pain of stomping on our, the, the desires of our flesh and gratifying those desires of our flesh and stomping on those and being ruthless about it and dealing with the pain of it, right? That we're, that we're, that we're cuddling up with the sin that we've become complacent and tolerant of. And the third thing. When it comes to crucifixion, Paul says crucify the desires of the flesh, right? Crucifixion is decisive. It's decisive. Crucifixion was a slow but certain death. Paul ends this section with if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What he's meaning there is walk with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And what he means by that is life this side of the cross is a Spirit-empowered life. We seek the work of the Spirit in our lives by the means He's given us and our our life in Him and our life in community. So here's my challenge. It's very simple and I'll give it to you in the form of a question. What does it look like for you to make a decision today to live your life in Jesus? Have you done that? Have you done that? As you look at as you look at these lists that we that we've looked at this morning, right? Desires of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, right? When it comes to that, ha- have you made the decision to live your life for Jesus? Can I tell you something? That is an every day, every moment. I want to live my life for Jesus. And as I I was looking, as I was was, was putting this message together this week, and thinking about you, and and thinking about, you know, how how do we land the plane today? How do we turn into Galatians chapter 6 and land the plane of Galatians, And, and really, Paul's heart here, right, just, just so we remember, just so we get caught up, right, is that these people were being confused, and so he's laying again the foundations of faith, and he's saying, listen, when you live for Jesus, when you live for Jesus, the desires are different, right? The desires are different. There's a change. There's a shift. There's a maturity that happens when we live Jesus and my question for you is this not dancing around it not trying to make you feel good about yourself are you living for Jesus does he influence the decisions you make does he influence what you do on a Sunday morning I had a pastor once tell me uh, church attendance on Sunday morning was a Saturday night decision right it's a Saturday night decision I, I, I disagree I disagree. Some of you may say, well, it's easy for you to disagree. This is what you do, pal. Right? Like, this is kind of your thing. Right? Church on Sunday morning. Right? I, I'm never conflicted about what I'm doing between the hours of 7 and noon, or noon 30 on a Sunday. Right? I'm here. It's where you find me. Right? Most, most days. Right? I'm never conflicted about that. Right, but, uh, but, but I even had the thought this past week as I was talking with a, with a friend of mine who's, who's a pastor down the road, I, I, I was like, you know, I said, I, I, would, I would make, I, it's not a Saturday night decision. For me, next Sunday church is a Sunday afternoon decision the week before. Right, because I walk out of here and I'm like, I can't wait to be around those people again. Mm-hmm. Right, huh. you want to know one of the conversations, can I tell y'all one of the conversations, come on worship team, come up here so I'll stop talking. Okay, but, but here's one of the conversations, here's one of the conversations that drives me crazy. Okay, and, and it's happened, it's happened so often. Right, it's happened so often. Uh, people, people will come to me and say, Pastor, you know, we really like you. We really like you. Um, and we really like what your church is doing, but, but we're nervous about coming to your church. I was like, oh, okay, what do, you, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, we don't, we don't want to come to church because we don't want it to ruin our friendship. Let me tell you something. And this goes for each and every person in this room. I'd go to the bunker with each and every one of y'all. Let's go. Let's fight the desires of our flesh. We're a team. And here's the deal. We can't fight the desires of our flesh alone. We need two things. We talked about one already this morning, the Holy Spirit. Right? We need the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to battle the desires of our flesh. And secondly, we need accountability. We need a group of people around us that are saying, hey, who are you living for? Who are you trying to please? What's the most important thing in your life? What's your why? And I pray for all of us that we would live for Jesus in such a way where those things become of most importance to us. <clears throat> Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? With me? maybe you're sitting here this morning and you hear that question have you made the decision to live for Jesus and you sit and say you know what pastor I've I've never made that decision I've attended church for years I've done this, I've done that, I've served on this committee I've served on that committee but when it comes to making a decision to live for Jesus that's something I've never done this morning I want to give you an opportunity to so, say, you know what, today I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to faith. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make the decision today that you know what, living for me, living for the desires of my flesh, it's not working out. It's not what I want. I want to live for Jesus. If that's you this morning, you say, Today I want to make a decision to live for Jesus for the first time. Would you just lift up your hand? Anybody at all? You can lift it up and put it right back down. Today I want to make a decision to live for Jesus in my life. Anybody at all? Give it about five seconds. Okay. So maybe you're sitting here and it's been a while. My challenge to you is make the decision today that as you go, the Holy Spirit is going to influence the decisions you make this week. The Holy Spirit is going to influence how you have those conversations this week. Decide today. And you know what? This area of my life, I'm not living for Jesus, but I want to. That's my prayer for you today. God, I pray that we would live for you. That we live for you. God, that the works and the... The works and the... The things, the stuff. God, become less. And you become more. God, we sang it earlier, your grace is enough. God, you are enough. It's not you plus. It's not you and. It's you. And so I pray today that as we walk out of here, God, that our focus will be strictly to live for you, to lean on you, to produce the fruit of your spirit that pleases you. To be able to say no to the desires of the flesh and go as far as to crucify As painful, as hard as that may be, God, that we would be ruthless when it comes to living for you. In Jesus' name I pray.